For Your Inflammation is brought to you by the City of San Diego Public Phone Authority. Whether you use our boost to scream into the void of a glass case of emotion or just to do a quick outfit change, we've got you covered. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad that you read this because you read it so matter-of-factly. <laughs> that, that's how you gotta do the sponsors. That's what they pay for. Exactly. Just very matter-of-fact. Um, it's probably my favorite part of the podcast is that we have fake sponsors, and I'm gonna be really sad if we ever had real sponsors. <laughs> for Your Information is actually brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> for Your Information is, holy shit, actually brought to you by Audible. Audible, <laughs> oh, we got sponsored by Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy Bezos officially sponsors this podcast, I want you to know. This podcast, For Your Inflammation, is brought to you by Audible, bringing books back to the podcasting audience since 2009. <laughs> oh my god. With thousands of books to choose from, why don't you listen to none of them and just listen to our show on Audible? Yes, you can do that. <laughs> Audible. Read a book, you troglodyte. <laughs> if you're not going to read the book, at least listen to it, you fucking moron. <laughs> not sponsored, should be. <laughs> Audible. Dumbing down human existence since 2009. Audible, allowing you to read the same Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone track you've had for 10 years. <laughs> Audible, we don't care that you just sign up to get the free points. We don't care. <laughs> Do you think Bezos cares? He doesn't. No, you think, you think Bezos cares about books? We're essentially a fucking digital library at this point. We don't give a shit. We don't even have employees, bro. Audible, now featuring a backup generator for all of our servers that is fueled by burning books. <laughs> <laughs> you see a fucking guy out behind the fucking Amazon building in like a Gestapo costume throwing books in a big furnace. <laughs> like... Fahrenheit 404 error. Jeff, Jeff Bezos pops up behind to just like smoke a doob in the alleyway, and this guy just like, sup? Keeps throwing books in the fucking furnace. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Infilmation with Zach and John. So damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. Welcome to For Your Inflammation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. I'm Zach Graham. And I'm John Kaplan. And this week we're continuing our quote-unquote April Fool's thing. It's the, it, We're just doing comedy movies. It's April. We're doing comedy movies because I don't give a shit. It's my show and I say so. Yeah. <laughs> this week we are covering... Anchorman from 2004, which is also a 24-year leap from our last comedy movie because, again, no comedy movies came out between 1980 and 2004. Nope, not a chance that anything came out in there. There was definitely nothing going on. There was definitely not any kind of Cheech and Chong. Uh, definitely never happened there. No, nothing. You know, there was no Euro Trip. You know what? Actually, I think we can pretend that Euro Trip and American Pie didn't happen. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. We wouldn't have the song Scotty doesn't know, but I mean, do I mean, do we really need that song? Uh, you know what? Th that might actually be a hot take. <laughs> that might actually be a, a, a pop culture hot okay, take. Okay, think listen, th there are two songs that are very similar from that same time period. Do you want to keep Stacy's mom or Scotty doesn't know? 
We're definitely keeping Stacy's mom. Fountains of Wayne deserve to be like, you know, in the like the national like archive or whatever. Exactly. Absolutely. That is the correct answer. We don't need Scotty doesn't know. Do we like that it's here? Sure. But it's kind of like that like third friend in the group where like if they're not there it's cool. If they were gone forever you'd notice, but like do you care? Do you yeah. care? Do you care that Jim's not there? I mean, like he was he had some funny one-liners sometimes, but most of the time what he was just doing was sitting there being on his phone. So like do we miss him? Not really. No, he went to college, joined Young Republicans and started going by James. Oh, I can't stand it when Jim's turned into James. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. Uh, speaking of milk and being a bad choice, though, uh, if you go to San Diego, uh, first off, nobody there drinks milk. Uh, second off, um, all their bones not, are very frail. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, <laughs> it's not that hot. In fact, it's it's one of the cooler places in California. Is it? Uh, it's because it's in the valley, right? Uh, no, because it's next to the fucking ocean. <laughs> oh, okay. So the Pacific Ocean is cold. For those of you that don't know, um, if you ever go to San Francisco, you'll be like, man, it's actually like really cold i came here thinking it was going to be like hot all the time and then you find out it's not i would say that on average new york city during the summertime is like significantly hotter than san france or san diego is well that's because of all the heat getting trapped in between the buildings and it is god awful in new york yeah. city but like on the on the west on the west coast you guys don't have as much humidity right that's correct it's it's like basically bone dry even in the coastal areas but like la gets hot la gets hot because of where it is and it, like you said valley it's like that is like an actual desert climate san diego is also kind of a desert climate but it's a lot more mild for some reason i guess it's like an el nino thing but like I went there on vacation in the summer, like literally in July. Could not get in the water. It's too cold. Wow. All right. So people in San Diego, I don't want to hear you complain about anything ever again. Nope. That you sounds live like paradise. That's that. That actually sounds amazing. So San Diego, don't complain. Let's get back to the movie. So John, I feel like this is kind of like a rite of passage movie. Anchorman is like it's like if someone asked you to name like an american comedy from the early 2000s like this would be the first movie i would think of hmm really yeah like so with that being said how did you not see this it's one of those things where i saw like 20 minutes at a time 25 minutes at a time for years and then just kind of assumed i had seen the whole movie this is like a classic one of those it's ah. not like the other movies that we've covered where you were like you know i thought i'd seen this but i was wrong i was like no I've seen, like, 75% of this movie, just never front to back. See, I'm the same way with, like, My Girl and Steel Magnolias, which are two movies that are, like, my sister's favorite movies, so <laughs> I would just catch glimpses of them, and it's like, I think I've seen the whole movie, but then you watch the whole movie, and you're like, oh, I didn't see that. Wow, this movie's worse than I thought it was. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, th this was not like that. Th this is a, well, it's a fine movie. It's a little... It's a little much sometimes. <laughs> so, so that was the other thing I was going to ask. It's like some people feel like this movie is like kind of disjointed. Did you feel that way watching it from front to back? Oh, no. I mean, I, f I feel like it makes a lot of sense. I just feel like it's like maybe the most hostile work environment since <laughs> um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> um, I don't What was the was the was the work was the work in um. Silent Night, Deadly Night, really that bad, or was he just crazy? Uh, well, I, he, it was bad. They just make fun of him all the time, and he bashes a bunch of stuff with a with a hammer or whatever. I, I, I don't know. Was it that one? Or was it, it, no, Black Christmas is the one with the guy and the calls coming inside the house. The calls from inside the house. That's a different movie. That's a different movie. But no, that's exa exactly what I meant. The, the hostile work environment thing is very, very in your face here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like 
it's it's not in a way like I think you're supposed to be laughing at the people making it bad and not at the people that they're making it bad for. That is true. So I do think that in a way it's a hashtag uh, not cancel culture movie. So like you can't cancel Anchorman because they're making fun of the people that should be canceled. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And how many times have I heard somebody say this is just to get canceled anyway? <laughs> Hashtag cancel South Park. I was actually watching a whole thing about that the other day. Like they, re- <laughs> like they really use that as a marketing thing, and I'm like, that's fucking genius. Hmm. All right. I mean, if it works. Hey, you know what? If it works, if it drives people to your 25 year old program, go for it. All right. <laughs> so, like, the reason that I kind of picked this one to go in, like, you know, the next to last spot for this month is just like in the history of like comedy movies, like specifically like American comedy movies. I feel like this is very like representative of the loser guy, heavily improved movie. Like, I feel like this is like the quintessential one. I would put, definitely put this in a vein with, like, Zack and Mary make a porno. Uh, yeah, that one too, but I feel like this one, I literally just watched Zack and Mary the other day, and I love Kevin Smith, but good lord, that movie does not play as well today as it did then. No, and I don't think this one does either, but for different reasons. This is almost like if that type of movie were a period piece. Right, but at the same time, like, I think this movie, like I said, in a way, is making fun of all of those people like you're not supposed to like the essentially the main characters are villains in this yes they are antagonistic in many parts of the movie (laughs) right and it's uh, so in a way like i feel like it plays better than zach and mary i don't know maybe i have rose colored glasses for this movie but i mean i really don't see why this movie probably won't stand the test of time and be around forever i mean at least in meme form oh no it'll be around that's for sure I mean, it's more around than Napoleon Dynamite, and that came out the year after this. Man, you know, you you would you would think Napoleon Dynamite would have had more staying power. Like, do you remember how big that was for so long? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, it was just like a merchandise machine. Oh yeah, absolutely. It like it it was an independent movie that became like one of the biggest merchandise movie of all time. Yeah, uh, the chapstick sales went through the roof. <laughs> I remember I specifically bought cherry chapstick just because of that movie. Of course you did. Well, look, listen, do you want regular plain chapstick or do you want cherry chapstick? Honestly, not what I'm using it for. Uh, you know what? I don't know if we have time, but I'm going to ask you, what are you using it for? We don't have time for it. Okay. (laughs) Redacted. Okay. (laughs) So, John, why don't you make some time for something that you can tell us about and give me a cocktail for this week? All right, cool. So, uh, scotch would be a go-to, you know, just like last week. Here it goes now. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. And scotch is delicious. Scotch is wonderful. If you want me to do like a three-part like um, PBS documentary on scotch, uh, I could probably put one together for you, but it would kind of be done. You know, like scotch is one of those things where it just gets talked about so much that like there's just as much information as you want. I swear to God. I swear to God, if you're about to tell me that you're going to make a scotch bonnet scotch drink, I'm going to hurt you. No, 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 no. There's far too many opportunities to make, like, an actual proper cocktail in here. There are lots of fun cocktails in this movie that we could have done. I think the uh, Manhattan kick the kick the sweet vermouth with the steel toe boot, that's a fun idea. Like, that's a fun concept. I, I don't think that means anything. It does. Like, I've never, ever heard that actually used. I'm pretty sure that's a joke. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But I, I did make a cocktail for you. So in the movie, uh, they're hanging out at the beginning of the movie. They get the number one ratings and they're t- hanging out of the pool and Ron's making a fool of himself. And everybody has these cool 70s cocktails because 70s, like there was a lot of cocktail culture in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more like that. Okay, lay it on me. But I also wanted to marry that up with like the cool, refreshing feel of being in San Diego in like the early summer. You know, like that's really fun too for those of you that have been to San Diego. For those of us that can afford to be in San Diego. Right, right, right. Right. So uh, this cocktail is called the San Diego Four. The San Diego Four. So I'm guessing this is about uh, the four newscasters. Four newscasters. Uh, Channel Four News. There's four alcohols in the drink. Uh, it it just works. It just works. Feng Shui. Feng <laughs> Feng Shui. It means house's vagina. Yeah, house's vagina, just like that. All right, I guess <laughs> gotta a whale keep your house vagina organized, people. Yeah, you could. You could. Organized lake? Disorganized lake. Which one would you choose? I definitely hate a disorganized house vagina. Yeah. All right. So it's the San Diego Fort. Uh, You're going to take... So there's a little bit of preparation for this. You're going to have to have a muddler and you're going to have to have um, a few items set aside for you to work as you go. So to start off, get the small side of your shaker and go ahead and drop about one half mango worth of mango flesh cubed into the bottom. On top of that, you're going to put a half ounce of amaretto, half ounce of peach brandy, a half ounce of Cointreau, one ounce of light rum, and one ounce of lime juice. Then you're going to take that muddler and crush up that mango flesh into the mixture there. That's part one. Take the big part of your shaker and put some ice in the bottom of it. Then you're going to take that small side of the shaker that's been muddled up, and you're going to strain all of that out into the side with the ice and add two dashes of orange bitters and a half ounce of orange juice and one dash of agave syrup. And then you're going to shake it up vigorously, double strain it into a hurricane glass, and then you're going to top it off with club soda, garnish with a mint sprig. There you go. It's light. It's refreshing. It has those kind of like elements of what you might think of as like a southern california kind of cooler refresher thing you got the lime you got the uh you got the mint you got the agave syrup it's a fun refreshing drink and it it's got a nice appeal when you put it into a nice piece of glassware like a hurricane glass that sounds really good i'm very i want to try this cocktail however i'm going to have to deduct 15 points from kaplan house for your use of the term mango flesh and That's not what only it's called and not only did you say mango flesh once, you said it three times. Look, <laughs> mango flesh, ugh, it's not as gross as guava flesh. No, just calling fruit flesh is horrible. What do you want to call it? Mango meat? <laughs> That's what it is. But it's like it's not a living thing. It's not meat. <laughs> no, uh, it is a living thing. It's a fruit. You're you Okay. Still, 15 points from Kaplan House and an extra 30 points for arguing with me. If you want to piss Zach off, make it with light tequila instead of light rum. You're welcome. (laughs) Ugh. Fucking tequila. I can't. Every time I think of tequila, I just say throw up. I don't know why. That's because uh, we don't don't have time for a history lesson. (laughs) We don't. (laughs) Well, we'll have to make time for a certain piece of history, which is our good buddy, Frank Synopsis. Frank Synopsis is a 140-year-old homeless man. We have come and tell you a synopsis of a movie. So welcome, Frank. Hey, I'm glad to be here. So Frank, me and John weren't alive to experience, uh, you know, the news in the 70s. What was the news in the 70s like? Well, you know, there wasn't a lot of sound. Uh, you would kind of walk by the news store where they have all the screens there and you can look at them uh, there on the storefront. And um, you see people talking, get really good at reading lips. Oh, okay. So do you remember any significant things happening where you had to read the lips? 
Uh, no, not exactly. Uh, I do remember getting chased off a lot. Uh, they wouldn't let me into the store after a certain period of time because of the smell. The smell from you or from where? Well, you know, I had a lot of things in the 70s that we might consider kind of eclectic today. Had, uh, expensive perfumes. Oh, okay. Uh, like what? Uh, Milk Panther. Milk Panther. Yeah, it was my own signature scent. So, how do you make Milk Panther? Uh, you find whole milk. Okay. You put pieces of panther inside. Oh. Dab onto skin, and there you go. Milk wasn't such a bad choice for the summertime. So, so, tell me, Frank, where did you find the panther in Central Park? Shh. Okay. Well, now we know why all those panthers went missing from the New York City Zoo, but, Frank, did it Did it help any? Did it help you get any ladies? Oh, no, 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 no. Again, I was not allowed to hang out in front of the news store anymore. The news store. All right. Well, Frank, you didn't get to go to the news store, but you did watch Anchorman, right? Oh, of course. All right. So tell me all about Anchorman. All right. Ron Burgundy had the number one rated news show in California, dozens of local Emmys, and the adoration of the great people of San Diego. However, his world is turned upside down by Veronica Corningstone, his new co-anchor and lover. Can Ron truly have it all? Beautiful. Very succinct. Um, this movie is heavily improv, so that is literally the plot. Yes. Thank you, Frank. All right, well, I got my Bible. I actually had a bit of a time crunch. I have a new business venture. You have a new business venture? Well, uh, lay it on us. You could be our first real sponsor. Milk Panther 2. Milk Panther 2. I'm guessing this doesn't have bits of panther in it? No, no, no. It's a little bit more like a steel panther this time. Oh, so is this synthetic panther pieces? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, why don't you lay it on me? Um, This may not be our first official sponsor, but go ahead and tell me what Milk Panther 2 is. Oh, no, well, time is money. Gotta go. Okay, well, don't want to know anything about that anymore. Um, We are still unsponsored, so if you would like to sponsor us, uh, hit us up at Inflammation for You on Twitter. Uh, John, welcome back. Hey, um, so I don't mean to pry. Um, okay. Out on your stoop, uh, looked like there was some laundry, had some, like, uh... Some pink stripy spandex pants and what I can only assume is milk soaked through them? Yeah, it's not exactly what it looks like because it probably looks like Frank is doing some sort of weird milk only fans thing. But in reality, he is trying to um, make a perfume via milk and panther bits. Huh. Yeah, it's uh, gotta get a new guy to read the synopsis, man. Like, th this is getting ridiculous. It is a bit of an old bit. It is an old bit, so if you want to come read our synopsis for us, uh, let us know. Is it synopsi? I don't know. Um, syn synopse syn yeah. Synapses? Synopses. <laughs> Alright, let's, we've dilly-dallied enough. Let's talk about Anchorman. So, we're just gonna go down the list of players and characters here so that you guys know who we're talking about when we're talking about these things. Uh, so the movie was directed by Adam McKay, who also directed uh, Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, the other guys. Basically, if Will Ferrell is in a movie and it's a comedy, more than likely Adam McKay directed it and wrote it. Like it. And like, in, I'm, I like that they stick together. Yep, this is actually their first movie together, so it's kind of fitting. Uh, the movie was also written by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, uh, produced by Judd Apatow, who would go on to write and direct The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up. Uh, before this, he had written and directed the show Freaks and Geeks, and most recently did The King of Staten Island with uh, Skeet Davidson. Yeah, Butthole Eyes Davidson. <laughs> Beat Davidson. <laughs> is he gonna replete, is he gonna replace Steve Buscemi? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I don't think that Steve Buscemi at any point had butthole eyes. 
it, it's a thing. Like people like really like the way Steve Buscemi's eyes look. Yeah, like they're very they're unique. striking. They're very yeah. unique. Anyway, he's not in this movie. Shockingly, um, no, he's not. I'm honestly. Wait, are you talking about um, Steve Buscemi? Or are you talking about um, Pete Davidson? No, Steve Buscemi. Uh, Pete Davidson would have been about seven, eight years. Old. He would have been the same age as us when this came out. Oh, okay, I see. Uh, you know what? All right, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all right. <laughs> it is what it is. All right, so this movie obviously starts Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy. Uh, if you don't know Will Ferrell, uh, why are you here? Um, He he got his start on SNL. He was in Step Brothers and Talladega Nights as well. Uh, Christina Applegate as Veronica Corning. So uh, she was on a show called Married with Children. Yeah. Um, Paul Rudd as Brian Fantana. Uh, if you don't know who Paul Rudd is, also, why are you listening to this? Um, he is Ant-Man in the Marvel Universe, and he is also evidently the sexiest man alive. Yeah, um, got told that today by my wife. I, d- I don't get it. I really don't. Like, I get that he is attractive. I don't understand how he's just, like, a total, like, I like, how, how do I politically correctly say this? Um, just, like, he, like, he's makes people that horny like i don't really understand but okay to each maybe he has like a certain kind of achievable charm there you know whereas you get like an idris elba type he's just like way over the top like ethereal sexy man but then you get like paul rudd he's like you know what yeah yeah it's like you know what you know what he yeah like he looks like someone's really hot dad where it's like huh that that person's dad is very attractive but i also see why he is where he is in life so paul rudd is like more of an achievable hot yeah he's the kind of guy that makes you want to get stuck in the dryer you know what i'm saying i don't know what you're saying i don't know what that means that's okay (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna move on we're gonna move on all right so steve carell as brick tamlin uh steve carell obviously the office and uh dan in real life i just wanted to pick a random one from steve carell (laughs) Yeah, um, do you remember playing, uh, what was it, Dungeon World with our friend Brandon? Yes. Yeah, his character that he always plays is called Brick. After this character? I thought so. I believe so. I believe it is inspired by that. Uh, one time we had, like, a no-rules, like, RPG-type game that we did, and, uh, he played as Loose Skin Brick. <laughs> loose skin brick he's basically fat bastard from uh austin powers like after he after he got the weight loss surgery yeah nice um we have to move on uh david cockner as champ kind uh john the only way i think that you would know who he is beyond this movie is he was in krampus uh yeah no i've seen this guy around a bunch yeah he's in a lot he was also on snl we'll get into that if you thought you were going to get away from an SNL history lesson, you were wrong. <sighs> um, we got Fred Willard as Ed Harkin. Uh, he was also, I think he played the manager in This Is Spinal Tap. I have not seen Spinal Tap. God fucking damn it. I wish I would have known that. I would have put that on this list. That's fine. We can just cover Spinal Tap. That's true. We could do like uh, Tenacious D and Spinal Tap in the same month. It'll be great. So just like last week with Blues Brothers, uh, there's too many cameos to go through and name like every single thing or like every single person's character. So we're just going to do a little bit of a cameo breakdown. Uh, This movie has Danny Trejo, Jack Black, Paul F. Tompkins, Ben Stiller, Seth Rogen in his first movie appearance, Vince Vaughn, uh, Fred Armisen, an early career appearance from Catherine Hahn, who is uh, in WandaVision, and Chris Parnell, who is also on SNL with Will Ferrell, and he is Jerry on Rick and Morty. 
All right. So um, we're going to do that thing that we did for uh, Charlie Chaplin. You know, we're going to be like uh, the, the Jew or not Jew thing here. Danny Trejo, definitely not Jewish. <laughs> Jack Black, uh, Jack Black, Jack Black Jewish. Jewish. Ben Stiller, Jewish. Seth Rogen, also Jewish. Ben Stiller plays a Latino man in this movie. Yeah, um, that's probably... So, you know, I was talking about how things pretty much age well for this movie. Uh, that's the only one that doesn't. I see, I see. That's probably the one thing that's unforgivable. Uh, do you think that they have similar favorable reviews of Jack Black, Ben Stiller, and Seth Rogen on that website that they did for Charlie Chaplin? Um, I mean, I would say so. I mean, like, most of them are pretty unproblematic. That's good. No, that's good. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I, I actually really can't pull anything out. Not that I know a lot about pop culture. That's, like, literally the premise of this entire show. Exactly. And even if you do know something, pretend you don't. Keep the shtick up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm an actor, just actor. like them. We are We are not the same. We are not the same. You are an actor because you get paid. I am an actor because I can't stand being myself. We are not the same. <laughs> Oof, that, that, that hit a little too... That hit that hit me in the feels. That that was a little raw. <laughs> that was uh, that was absolutely what I was doing being an actor. Oof, you got me. All um, there. We're all acting at something. All the world's a stage, and we're all just players. Um, yes. Uh, of the, for those of you that don't know, uh, the, the Jew or not a Jew dot com. It's like a funny thing that Jewish people do, where they like rate people on how Jewish they are. That that's not a bit that we're doing. That that's a bit that they have already done. Just yes. giving credit where credits due. Yeah, and it's it's a very entertaining website. It's probably one of my go to websites right now. It's 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 great. Um, so the music for Anchorman was done by Alex Werman. The production company was Apatow Productions, distributed by DreamWorks. It was released on June 28, 2004 in LA, not San Diego. They didn't have the world premiere in San Diego for some goddamn reason. Like, it's literally like, what, three hours away? Like, you couldn't go three hours? Not even, it's like an hour and a half. See, exactly. Like, that's just lazy. Depends um, on how fast you want to drive down the five. I, I think it's the five. <laughs> that's the only highway i ever hear people talking about in california it's about the only one that matters if you're just talking about the big cities all right well if you're not rich enough to live in california you got to see this movie on july 9th 2004 uh the budget for the film was 26 million dollars and the box office return was 90.6 million dollars which is a lot lower than i thought it would be well i mean those are good old 2004 uh post 9 11 american greenbacks Oh, true. Yeah, back when the dollar actually meant something. We're going to keep saying that about any year that is not this year or last year. <laughs> Listen, the money sitting in your bank account gets worse every single day. Whether it's, like it's you spending it or the government making it worse. U.S. government announces dollar two. <laughs> the U.S. government announces dollar two. Coming this, coming this summer, 2.5. It's purple this time. Yo, look, listen, we should have purple money by now. Yeah, what? easy squirt ketchup went from green to purple. We can have money go from green to purple. It's a lateral move. Exactly. Put Kim Kardashian on the 20. There you go. We got Kim Kardashian on 20. We got Paul Rudd on the 50. Um, We got uh Dick Cheney on the 5. Um, uh, no. No? <laughs> we no. can't have Dick Cheney on the 5? Um, Who do we put on the 100? Uh, Ellen? Uh, We have already decided. Oh, uh, no. That was going to be... uh. I was going to be Harriet Tubman. That was on the 20, uh, which is a good pick. Like, <laughs> IRL, good pick. Um, <laughs> uh, who is going to be on the 100? I guess it would have to be, like, someone that everybody universally loves. So, Betty White. Betty White goes on the 100. Betty White could be on the 100. John Candy, also runner-up. Exactly. But let, let's put more women in there. Why not? I see. I see. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Robin Williams is a Mrs. Doubtfire. 
Um, Michelle Obama goes on the 250. We have a two. Well, inflation. We kind of have to have a 250 now. Yep. So Michelle Obama. That's what. That's my pick. Okay. Okay. So what percentage? <laughs> what percentage of the dollar bill is taken up by her arms? <laughs> You're gonna have you're gonna get us killed by Barack. Absolutely. <laughs> by the CIA again. <laughs> like I said, much to John's dismay, we're gonna have to do some SNL history. I don't have this thing against <laughs> SNL. I've just never seen it. Well, you have something against it because you clearly don't care. So Will Farrell joined the cast of SNL in 1995. Uh, he came in after a pretty big cast shift. The previous season, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, and Mike Myers left the cast. Uh, NBC had kind of forced Lauren Michaels to also fire Adam Sandler and Chris Farley because they had taken movie roles. Mm. So they didn't like that they were going and making movies for other studios and then not break. So basically like using NBC and Universal as like a platform to get somewhere and then not using them to make them more money. That is the worst thing ever. It, I mean, like... In a if you if you want to go into corporate mindset, it totally makes sense. But it's also you can't <laughs> own a person's public image. I don't know. The military owns people. Oh my god, we cannot <laughs> do. We're gonna get killed by the CIA again. <laughs> anyway, so Will Ferrell joined the cast with Sherry O'Terry and Daryl Hammond. Uh, the other cast members in the 1995 season were David Cochner, who is also in this movie, Tim Meadows, who was cut from this movie. David Spade, not in the movie at all. Molly Shannon, not in the movie at all. Jim Brewer, surprisingly not in the movie at all. Um, Adam McKay joined the writing staff in 1995 as well. And by 1996, Adam McKay had become the head writer for SNL. That's uh, it's pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Like, if you write two or three sketches that, like, get you off the map, like, you, you're, you're pretty much going to be the head writer. Like, Tina Fey also famously became the head writer within one year. Well, okay. Well, I mean, good for them. It's a major upward mobility move for them as long as you stay with NBC. Exactly. If you go outside of NBC, you can fuck right off. Um, Unbelievable. (laughs) So let's talk about the production. So while working at SNL, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell started working on a script called August Blowout, which was described as Glenn Glary. (laughs) just already objecting. I... (laughs) I can't help but think of August Rush when you say August Blowout. <laughs> Is it the sequel to August Rush where, like, he's just, like, really doing bad in college? Like, he got That's the August music- Burnout. <laughs> he got the <laughs> Blowout, Burnout, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the movie was supposed to be called August Blowout. It's not a real movie. It didn't happen. Uh, but it was described as Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross in a car dealership. What? So, you know the movie Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross, right? Do I or need really, to answer that play. question? Okay, so it's a David Mamet play that got turned into a movie. It was, like, a really famous role for, like, Alec Baldwin. Like, he has, like, one of the most iconic lines in movie history and he's only in the movie for like five minutes um, got nothing so anyway the glenn glary glenn ross is basically a movie about like um these guys who work for a law firm or no they work uh-huh. for like an advertising firm i can't remember exactly what it is but basically they're given one day to um make the company money like via like getting new leads or like making good on leads mm-hmm. there's five of them two of them will be fired one of them will be promoted and two of them get to keep their jobs this is like a reality TV show. Yes, but it was written in like 1993. All right. Somewhere All right, around I'm listening. there. Yeah, so I mean, it, you probably would actually enjoy it. It's got a lot of good people in it. Al Pacino's in it. Hmm. Don Cachino. Yeah. Don Don Cachino. 
I, I, my friend refused to watch the Dunkachino bits because he was like, I want to watch the whole movie. I want to get the full context. And I was like, you don't want to do that. And yeah. then he came back to me one day and he was like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> How many times has this conversation had with you every year? I, I, I stay trying to get people to stay away from Jack and Jill. I'm not an Adam Sandler hater, but I do think that you deserve better than to spend an hour and a half watching Jack and Jill. Would you have liked to have seen Adam Sandler in this movie? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what he would have done. I think that uh, Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler have a very different comedic style. But I don't see, yeah. why, I don't see why he couldn't have played Brick. Ooh, Adam Sandler is Brick. Yeah, I really... Yeah, that would have been alright. I think Adam Sandler was more focused on doing his own thing at the time. So maybe even if the thought had crossed their mind, they just didn't. Or maybe because this was released by Universal, maybe they were like, hey, you can't use Farley or um, Adam Sandler. Well, Farley would have been dead by this point, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, when does uh, when does Click come out? Oh, God. You you stay making me have to look stuff up on air. Hey, man. It's just a part of the business that we do. <laughs> Hang on. Let's see. Click. 2006. Click came out in 2006. So he was in pre-pre-production of Click. Uh, d- sure, if you want to call it that. I'm pretty sure Adam Sandler writes a script and they start shooting it within 30 minutes. I'm 98% sure that's how that works. Must Any- be nice, huh? Must be nice. I spend like three hours on these goddamn scripts and look at what we're able to do with it. Hey, <laughs> no. don't talk shit about um, <sighs> San Diego Telephone Company. San Diego... <laughs> remember when we were sponsored by rats just literal rats like the animal that was fun yeah i remember when we were sponsored by rats rats (laughs) anyway so the script for august blowout made its way around hollywood but never really got picked up Uh, one of the readers of the script interestingly was paul thomas anderson uh he's a director he wrote magnolia boogie nights licorice pizza like it's like you know those kinds of movies and Interestingly enough, he is married to Maya Rudolph, who is also in a bunch of cut scenes from this movie. Hmm. Full circle. Full circle. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson loved the script for August Blowout, but he also knew that no one was interested in making it. Like, it had just gone around and around and around for years. So, what he said is that he promised he would shepherd a script for them. And basically what that means is he would help shop around a script for them with his name behind it. So, it's kind of uh-huh. like co-signing. I see. I see. So, you, you got the, uh, you got the, um, what's his name? What's his name? Paul Thomas Anderson Guarantee. This is 100% USDA certified beef of a script. Exactly. (laughs) So, while they were trying to write a script that would be worthy of Paul Thomas Anderson's name, uh, the genesis of Ron Burgundy came to Will Ferrell as he was watching an interview with 70s newscasters, and he noticed how, like, sexist and stupid and full of themselves they were. Uh Uh-huh. And he was watching these interviews because, interestingly enough, Will Ferrell graduated from UAC with a degree in journalism. Huh. I mean, you know, journalism, improv comedy, they're not that different. It's just that in journalism, you can't laugh when something, like, really unfortunate happens. But in improv (laughs) comedy, you can yes and your way into, like, out of spinning an orphanage burning down. (laughs) Anything, tragedy, comedy is tragedy plus time. If if it's like, you know, a very short amount of time, it's got to be pretty tragic for it to be funny. If it's been a long time, it doesn't have to be that tragic. So the original idea for the movie was a parody of the 1993 film Disaster, which was about a Uruguayan team, like Olympic team, crashing into the Andes Mountains and how they survived. Uh, the film would have featured Ron and the, crew, and the news crew crashing a plane and getting chased around by Ninja Star wielding orangutans. What? 
Bro, they had so many batshit ideas for this movie, but that was just the best one. I want to see that movie. But and the... we were under the impression that Blues Brothers was fueled entirely by cocaine. <laughs> but you, you know what? Like, I, I understand where the idea for that came from, because neither one of them had ever really written, like, a film script. That sounds like an SNL, like, bit. Yeah, neither had Dan Aykroyd, but they took his movie just on concept. Look... <laughs> Dan Aykroyd wrote a Lord of the Rings volume of lore about the Blues Brothers. And and Will Ferrell was a journalist. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we have to move on. Uh, The script for the original script also included a musical number involving sharks. Uh, This idea was retooled in Anchorman 2. And re-retooled for the Katy Perry performance featuring Left Shark. What happened to Left Shark? I, I, I feel like the country was more together with Left and Right Shark. You ever seen August Burnout? <laughs> it's like that. No, no one's seen August Burnout. Um, so Ron <laughs> the Burgundy, half-skin. <laughs> the half-skin. we can't, I'm we so can't sorry. get into half skin again. Um, Ron Burgundy is based on two news anchors, Harold Green and Mort Krim. Uh, John C. Riley, who all, who's like starred beside Will Ferrell in several comedy movies that are written and directed by Adam McKay. Uh, he was actually supposed to be in this movie, but dropped out at the last minute to be in The Aviator, uh, directed by Mar- Martin Scorsese. Ah, the Martin Scorsese. Which, eh, eh, probably a better career move. That won the Oscar that year. That was a good idea. I mean, yeah, but I've heard of this. I haven't heard of that. The, you should you should watch The Aviator. You'd probably like that. Um, hmm. So... Interestingly enough, only aerial shots were used for San Diego, and the actual shooting, the actual like shooting of the actors, were on sound stages in L.A., Greendale, and Long Beach. Uh, because filming in San Diego would have been too difficult, because too many of the buildings did not look like they were from 1970. You know what? Uh, good point. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like San Diego, like I was I actually did look this up. San Diego looked very different in the seventies compared to now. Yeah, no, I believe that uh, San Diego is like very modern. Like it, it, it moves around a lot more. Like Los Angeles is kind of big, you know, so you can find a lot more stuff there. Yeah, it's like because San Diego is more of like a residential type area, right? Um, I, I'd say it's equally, you know, like commercial and residential. It's a little bit more like an Atlanta type city where like there okay. are certain parts of town that are, you know, like. You get your midtown and your downtown, and then there's, like, your Buckhead area, and there's residential areas between, you know. There, there's all kinds of stuff going on there. It's not quite like Los Angeles, which is, like, this big, sprawling metropolitan area. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, is Sandy... If, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, like... Um, uh, is Silicon Valley close to San Diego? That is actually in San Jose, which is right next to San Francisco. Oh, uh, okay. I was I get all the sands mixed up. Yeah, everyone does. You're not alone. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. So, uh, the film was scripted, but it was mostly improv. So, like, m- like so much so that there was, like, enough footage shot for about, like, three movies. Nice. So, the actors in the film did almost 20 takes of each line. And, like, it, when you watch the movie at the end credits where they have the bloopers, you kind of see that. Yeah. You know, they're not all zingers, but at least, you know, four or five of them were. So, you mm-hmm. can, so they had stuff to choose from. Uh, my favorite line reading being uh, when they're talking about Sex Panther, um, the guy goes by and it's, oh, it smells like Bigfoot's dick. Yeah, no, that's too soon. That's <laughs> too soon. <laughs> were you hoping I wasn't going to bring up Big... <laughs> Did you... Were you hoping I wasn't going to bring up Bigfoot's dick? I-, I think you could probably say that about most times of my entire life, hoping people don't bring up <laughs> Bigfoot's dick. It- it- it's very upsetting. Don't bring Don't bring it up around John. 
So one of the deleted things was actually a completely abandoned subplot that involved a pro a group of protest bank robbers called the Alarm Clock. What? Yes. So there was a subplot in the movie where there was these like there there were like these uh this protest group that went around robbing banks and Veronica Corningstone and Rob Burgundy were having a competition to see who could get more information about this because it was kind of like you know the big stink around San Diego. I see. So it's like a bunch of Batman villains, but they're in San Diego, correct? Not Gotham City, correct? But they're also like bumbling idiots, just like everybody else in the movie. Got it. And, like, it kind of, it still ended the same, but it was definitely a completely different movie that they absolutely shot all the scenes for. Huh. Like, there were, like, elaborate scenes filmed for this and that were just never used. However, the subplot, along with other unused footage, was packaged together in a direct-to-video, quote-unquote, companion film called Wake Up, Ron Burgundy. I've seen this. Not seen the movie, but I'm aware of the existence of this. Yeah, it's kind of, like, I finally watched it the other day, like, just to prepare for this podcast, and I have to say, it's not, like, if you didn't know that it was made up of, like, unused footage, you would think it's a very weird movie, because it kind of doesn't make any sense, and it very much heavily relies on the fact that you've seen, like, just normal Anchorman. Okay, yeah, no, I believe that. I mean, I think you could really say that about, like, most, like, you know, series, I guess. Like, good luck watching the Star Wars Christmas special after not having seen any Star Wars movies. Actually, you might like it better. (laughs) Why? Because you can turn it off and not feel obligated to watch it to be up on your Star Wars culture? Listen, I think it's time that we reevaluate the Star Wars Christmas special, because is it bad? Yes. Is it the worst piece of trash Star Wars thing we've ever seen? Absolutely not. Rise of Skywalker exists now. I put yeah. I put the I put the Star Wars Christmas special above Rise of Skywalker any day. And tune in next week when we do a four-part series on Star Wars. <laughs> well, I know you've seen all of Star Wars. We would we would literally have to do like on the fringe Star Wars content. Uh Ewok Adventures, the Star Wars Christmas special, droids. Yeah, like, there, there's a few of them. I, I don't think I've seen the CG um, Clone Wars movie. I've actually, there's a lot of people that are really attached to those. Like, apparently they're highly canonical. Oh, yeah, no, like, it's, you, there's certain things about uh, Revenge of the Sith that only make sense if you watch that. What a weird way to, what whatever, this isn't a Star Wars episode. It's I'm not. sorry I brought up the Christmas special again. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's move on. So the only other thing I wanted to say about Wake Up Ron Burgundy is like it also contains all of the extra scenes included in the unrated Anchorman cut, which technically because the unrated Anchorman cut came out after Wake Up Ron Burgundy makes the unrated Anchorman cut a hybrid of the two separate films. I, yep, sure. Why not? (laughs) No one will ever think about it that way except for me, but that's exactly what it is. I... (laughs) It's almost like when uh, it's almost like the uh, the Godfather Legacy, where they intercut one and two chron- like chronologically. It's just like that, but with Anchorman. The, uh, we cannot know. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the release. So the film opened against Spider Man Two, which I don't know why the fuck they would choose to do that. Um, and it 
of course, opened at number two at the box office in its opening weekend. Um, it kept falling and falling and falling as the weeks went on. And, like, I think it finally landed at, like, six on its last week, mm. which is still pretty good. It's still in the top ten, but, like, if you're not in the top five, it's not really considered, like, a runaway hit. Mm-hmm. No, I see. I mean, a modest success. A modest success. Not really. This movie had such a bigger life on home video because I feel like, and, and this is what I want to talk about here in a minute, but we'll get there. Um, So the film was also released on VHS and DVD on December 28th, 2004. Again, why they would miss a Christmas window, I have no idea. Um, And then it was released on Blu-ray on March 15th, 2011. Uh, the Blu-ray includes Wake Up Ron Burgundy, no need to purchase it separately anymore. And it also has like some trading cards and shit for all the characters. Okay, I mean, as a guy that likes home video special edition releases, how important are those types of collectibles to you? Um, See, that's the thing with collectibles for like movies and like special releases is I love them. When I open it the first time, and then you know what happens? I never look at them again. All right. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure you'll have like your special edition wake up Ron Burgundy um, beanie that came with it that you can uh, sell on an eBay Etsy store or whatever, like in 30 years when it's vintage. Possibly. Possibly. Probably not, though. Um, it, That's the thing is like movies and movie collectibles don't really go for much anymore because I guess nobody cares about them. Right. Uh, The market really took a slump after uh, everybody stopped giving a shit. (laughs) It's funny how that happens. Yeah, Um, it's like Beanie Babies. It's, God, fucking Beanie Babies. I mean, did did no one realize that that was a giant bubble? That, like, that it was going to stop being profitable very quickly? I, we could do this for literally any industry. (laughs) Like, literally any industry. But I just remember, even as a child, going, sure, maybe, like, someone really wants that Beanie Baby you have, and they attach, like, a really weird and astronomical numeric value to it. But after that sale happens... Who else is going to buy it? It doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. Beanie Babies, stop it. Yeah, Beanie Babies, stop it. Webkins, uh, thanks for killing the industry. <laughs> Neopets walked so Webkins could run. And where did Webkins run? Right into the fire. They just yeah. fucking ruined it. <laughs> well, now we have Amiibo. And, like, you have to have the little guys to do stuff in-game. So that people just started making little uh, NFC chips that you can replace the amiibos with because people are tired of that shit exactly like why should i pay 20 dollars for this thing also like have you seen the um the aftermarket like odd body amiibos that people make (laughs) (laughs) odd body amiibos no so like what they'll do is they'll get like molders clay and like make different things out of existing amiibos it's kind it's kind of like it's kind of like the odd body furby movement which i'm I'm not here for (laughs) if you're making odd body furbies i need you to stop i did get a job (laughs) i did that thing that you said to never do which is look stuff up on the podcast (laughs) oh my god somebody has done a um like a hyper realistic handsome face kirby amiibo (laughs) It's out there, people. Um, if you want it, uh, I guess go buy it. I don't know. It's, don't. It's, it's none of my business what you spend your money on, but I will judge you. Um, let's talk about the legacy of Anchorman so we can get the fuck out of here and look up more odd body shit. Um, 
So a sequel to Anchorman, Anchorman The Legend Continues, was released on December 18th, 2013. Uh, I actually went to the midnight premiere of this, and I guess I was the only one in the theater that wasn't tired because I laughed my fucking ass off the entire time. Especially at the fight scene. Uh, if you have no interest in watching the full Anchorman 2, please, I implore you to watch the fight scene. It's kind of the same as the first movie, except on a bigger scale. And they have a centaur and the ghost of Stonewall Jackson. And if there's anything that you should know about the centaur and the ghost of Stonewall Jackson, is that one of them was an amazing Cards Against Humanity card. The other was Stonewall Jackson. <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, let's land this shit show. Um, so John, did you did you enjoy Anchorman? Did did you do you enjoy knowing a little bit more about where it came from? Yes, Anchorman was fine. I, I think that this is a it's a fine it's a fine piece. I don't think that it's like super fun for everybody because again, like those things that like you're not supposed to like you're not supposed to love the main characters necessarily. They're kind of supposed to be pain in the ass pieces of shit for like most of the movie, but like some people don't handle that. Like they don't enjoy that. Yeah. So like it's not for everybody, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see how this is important for like comedy movies. You know, you say that, and those same people love Michael Scott. You are right about that. That is actually a major duality of Steve Carell. What a complicated career. <laughs> I love Steve Carell. He he can keep doing what. Did you know he owns like a little like basically a bodega in his hometown i believe that it's pretty cool anyway so that's gonna do it for four year inflammation this week um we're getting some reviews coming in no one's written a review yet so if you want to write a review i will read it live on air if you literally just write some stream of consciousness bullshit that has nothing to do with the podcast i will read it if you put put it on the teleprompter zach will read it yeah yeah yeah. make sure you use like a really weird font and talk about abstract spiritual concepts drop it in my ps4 user box (laughs) <laughs> like everybody else does. <laughs> I, I, please only send us, uh, send us fan letters through PS4 mail. Please. I don't even have please. a PlayStation. <laughs> um, so that's going to do it. Like I said, that's going to do it for four year inflammation. I'm Zach Graham. And I'm John Kaplan. Go watch a new movie this week. And as always, you stay classy, San Diego. See you guys. <laughs>